Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Chatterbox Sports page. You can always download us if you'd prefer that route in podcast form. Just search off the bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. Busy day today, men. Casey, Paulie, how are we looking? Looking good, Tom. Bengals schedule's out. Reds win again. Going into the weekend. Rain's supposed to stop here this afternoon, so we're good. We're good. Casey, you all right? Yeah. Doing sure? good? Yep. Okay. We're going to find out here shortly. You feeling better, Tom? I am. Uh, things went a little south. We'll leave it be at that. Uh, all right, so what do you think, right? The Bengals 23-24 schedule came out last night. We already knew who they were going to play and where they were going to play. Them. Now we know when they are playing. Four primetime games, no surprise there. Two at home, two on the road. There could be a fifth depending on how things shake out during the season. They will open the year on the road. Oh, boy, Casey, did I think of you. They are opening the season on the road in Cleveland, Ohio. They're in-state rivals. They're division rivals. Sunday, September 10th, that's a 1 o'clock kick. Cincinnati has not won in Cleveland since 2017. And they're 2-8 and eight against the Brownies in the last 10. Casey, mm. your thoughts. Deshaun Watson, Nick Chubb, Miles Garrett, season opener in Cleveburg, as I like to call it. They stink, Tom. They stink. We'll be fine. Opening day. Well, it's not opening day for the Bengals because that's at Paycor uh, week two. But opening season week, week one against the Browns, not a problem. I, uh, I, I thought Charlie Goldsmith made a really good point about the pass rushers that the Bengals are going to have to face in the yep. first four weeks and trying to figure out what they're going to do with potential injuries. The offensive line, they're still lingering and having to get off to a strong start. You're playing divisional opponents. Uh, this is a big-time start to the schedule. They can't do the 0-2 business again. If they really want to compete for that number one seed, they can't be doing this 0-2 business again. They can't no. be doing they, – they got to they gotta perform better to start the year. All right, we're going to talk more, a lot more about the Bengals' schedule, and we're going to talk about their offseason. I mean, Tim McGee, former Bengal great, never pulls any punches. We've been asking the question. All offseason. Of course, the NFL season never has an offseason. But we've been asking, are the Bengals better today than they were at the end of last year? And we're going to ask Tim McGee that question coming up at 1120. Other football news. Does Tom Brady ever have a bad day besides splitting up with his wife? Just in general, no. <laughs> a man mean, does not. 
Yesterday, Patriots owner Robert Kraft said Brady will be honored at the Patriots season opening game. It's the first of many Tom Brady events during this season in New England. Why not? I mean, he was only there for 18 years, won 17 division titles, played in 13 AFC championship games, and won five Super Bowls. Then later in the day, we find out that Brady is in deep talks about becoming part owner of the Las Vegas Raiders. The ownership stake is described as passive, meaning he would not have any control over football decisions or football operations. It is interesting to note that this would be the second time that Brady has teamed up with Mark Davis, who owns the Raiders, in ownership of a sports franchise. The two have ownership together in the WNBA's Las Vegas Aces. In baseball, Reds got a nice series win yesterday over the slumping New York Mets. Cincinnati got four runs in the first inning in what was the rubber game of that series at GABP, and that would be more than enough in a 5 nothing win. Four pitchers combined on a six-hit shutout. Ben Lively, nice to see him pitch well. At one time, he was a big, highly-rated prospect. He went to the Phillies in a trade for Marlon Byrd. Uh, he's been injured a lot. Reds bring him back. He's into his early 30s now. He gets the win and relief. Kevin Herget, really good, getting the save, pitching the final three innings. The Reds will begin a three-game series tonight in Miami. Now, we hear so much about bringing your young guys up, right? Graham Ashcraft's going to start it for the Reds tonight, but Yuri Perez, 20 years old. He's one of the most highly rated pitching prospects among all teams in Major League Baseball. The Marlins are running him out there tonight. In game one of the series, Reds beat writer Bobby Nightingale Jr. is here at 11 to talk all Reds baseball. Tampa Bay walloped the Yankees 8-2 yesterday. I only bring it up because the Rays are now 30-9. and 30-9. They already have a nine-game lead over the last place New York Yankees in the AL East. Is Aaron Boone in trouble? Couldn't imagine being nine games out of first place. That's not this city. <laughs> mm. Keep going, Tom. On the hardwood, what a time to watch the NBA. I, you know, I don't watch a lot of it, rarely ever during the regular season, but these playoffs have just been incredible. You start last night in Philly, and the environment in that place was off the charts. The Sixers had a chance to close out the series against Boston and reach the Eastern Conference Final, but no. No, 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 no. The Celtics open a 16-point lead. Their best player, Jason Tatum, can't throw one in the ocean if he's sitting in a boat. Philly jumps in front with three minutes to go, but then everything changes. Tatum gets red hot, hits two huge threes down the stretch, Boston wins 95-86, Game 7 Sunday at the Boston Garden. Where was James Harden? I ask all the time, in big moments, in the biggest games, and he's had a couple of good games in this series, but where is James Harden? Nowhere to be found. The Invisible Man at NCN. You know what NCN is? Cutter Nation. He's not on the team. Ooh. Ooh. He's not on the team. Got cut. Not even, not even in the galaxy. The top seed out west look like the top seed out west. They look like the best team in the NBA, which they were during the regular season. 
Denver. If somebody says to you, if you're a Phoenix Suns fan, right, and they're on the brink of elimination, if somebody says to you, your team's going to score 51 points in the first half and you're going to hit seven three-pointers, guys are going to be lighting it up, team's going to shoot 52, 53%, whatever it was, you'd say, where do I sign up for that? Here's the problem. They scored 51. They gave up 81. 81 points. When I coached girls fifth and sixth grade basketball, which by the way, I don't know if I've ever told you guys, we won a championship. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever told you that. Girls and the boys. My fifth grade girls could play better defense than the Suns. That is humiliating. 51 points. And how about Nikola Jokic? 32 points, 10 rebounds, 12 assists for Denver. Again, I continue to ask the question. I love Embiid, total gamer. How in the world did Jokic not win his third straight MVP? His numbers were better this year than they were last year. Nuggets are in the Western Conference Final. Who will they play? Well, that could be decided tonight in L.A. Game 6, Lakers and Warriors with LeBron and company leading that series three games to two. Golden State star Andrew Wiggins might not be able to play. He injured some cartilage in his rib cage. That's an unbelievably painful injury. Tip-off is at 10 o'clock tonight. Before that one out west, Miami has a chance at home to wrap up its Eastern Conference semifinal series against the Knicks. Heat lead three games to two, tip-off at 7.30. And last but certainly not least, we have a lot to talk about today with FC Cincinnati. They have drawn the New York City Red Bulls in the second round of something called the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. Now, that's while you're playing inside the MLS season. Is Now, all of a sudden, you're playing in this, this, this tournament. And, and you're still playing MLS games. You're just sandwiching in during the week, this tournament. Tommy Gallardo, voice of the FC Cincinnati, and they're having a great year. I don't want anybody to get me wrong here. I'm not beating them up about that. He's going to join us at 1030 to talk about it. What do we have? We have somebody paying money to jump in here, right? Yeah. Well, what is this all about? There are a lot of people that are in the chat before we even got on the air today. Of the thousands that are here, we have a lot of regular but, Casey, what, what, what is this all about? People boycotted the show yesterday um, based on your behavior Wednesday. Could you explain this to me, please? And I, I, what is this all about hillbillies and stuff? I, you know, well, well, what, what is that all about? How about Casey was made to apologize and his future wife was even on my side? That comes from Chad Waits. What is that all about? Well, Chad, Chad's from Goshen. I, I remember this. Okay, and, but help me now. How did we get to this point? Well, I, in my apology that I made for the chat the other day, I said from one hillbilly to another. So you called yourself a hillbilly? I did. Okay, because so this isn't one of these deals where you called him a name. You, you acknowledged I am and he is. Yes. Okay, but maybe he doesn't like that term. Well, regardless, I still, I still apologized for my behavior the day before. 
in the chat, they didn't like it. They didn't like the apology, Tom. I don't know what I did to 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 get them so riled up now this morning. They, they're just all over me today. They weren't like this yesterday. They were fine yesterday. All of a sudden, now that you're back, they... Mm. It's like they're trying to tattle on me. Mm. Trying to tattle on me. Mm. Man. Well, I mean, I miss one day and I come back and there's mayhem in the chat. I'm hoping that everybody, uh, you know, can get back here. Tom, before we, because uh, we have plenty to talk about today with the Bengals schedule and with everything else. Tom, I, I got something for you. Yes, sir. Um, so yesterday I, I went to Glenview Golf Course. I don't know if you know Glenview, but it's a great golf course. Of course course. I do. Beautiful I, place. I, I play there all the time. Yep. Um, so I, I go up to Glenview, and, and it was incredibly busy. I didn't have a chance to play because they were so busy. But this was the second time. Wait, wait, time out a second. You went all the way up there. You didn't call to find out how busy they were. It's, just... it's right by my house. Oh, okay. It's, it's right okay. by my house. Okay. It's right okay. around the corner. All right. Uh, so, uh, so I was like, you know what? Uh, I'll just go to the driving range. This was the second time that this has happened in my life. When you go to the store, Tom, what do you do? You go shopping, right? You go for a product. You go to Kroger. You're looking for some kind of a product. You're they, walking, they walking have to Target. Something. Most men know exactly what they want. Walk in, get in, get out. They have something to sell you. Sure. When you go to a driving range. Well, it all depends on what's going on that day, but go ahead. They only have one product for you. Golf balls. What did they not have yesterday, Tom? Golf balls. Let me guess. Golf balls. So I went up. I, there was a guy in front of me with a bucket. There were no buckets sitting there. So I went over and asked some nice man, hey, you done with that bucket? Can I, can I get that so I can get my bucket of balls? So I let the guy step in front of me in line while I went and got the bucket. Guy walks away from the machine. He goes, ah, sorry, man. Just got the last bucket. Machine's out. That was after about 10 years ago, I went to a Top Golf, which I worked at Top Golf. I love Top Golf. It's right. one, of my, one of my favorite entertainment. I love going to Top Golf. But I went to a Top Golf one time, and the doors were closed, and they had two employees standing at the front door handing gift cards out. And they said, sorry, we ran out of golf balls. I said, this is either them entertaining themselves, trying to figure out which excuse they can come up with that everybody, hey, let's think of a different excuse to everybody, or a driving range ran out of golf balls. So that's now twice in my life I've gone to a driving range and they have been out of golf balls. Well, I got to tell you, uh, it, it, it gets back to a broader question. I walked into a jeweler yesterday uh, late in the afternoon uh, that's right around the corner from my house, and... He was telling me the story about how he needs help, work-wise help. Yeah. And he has two jobs open and had like 10, 12 people apply. Three or four went through the interview process. They get down to the final two. They're very excited to have these two young people. They want to work. They need a job. They're paying good money. And um, yesterday, after one had been told uh, that this person was hired, yesterday was supposed to be their first day on the job. No phone call, no show. Uh -oh. Now, if, I've had, if I had $5 for every time I've heard that story from different friends that have businesses and that kind of thing where you yeah. need help, right? Uh, I'd be a millionaire. Um, not having golf balls comes down to getting out somebody, driving around, scooping them up, yeah. right? Yeah. And then the actual labor of getting them out of the machine, the cart you use to pick them all up. And then bring them back and load up the machine where you're hitting your little button with a token to get the 
the that's the, exactly right right because well, I like to play and you just a lot of times at these courses when they have those leagues on like Monday Monday through Thursday they'll have all the the adult leagues go out there and play and so a lot of times they just do like open play afterwards and you sure. can walk on so sometimes that's I try right. to walk on or if not, no big deal. I'll just go to the range. Nope, not last night. But all right, we got plenty more to talk about. I just have to get I, I just had to get that off my chest. Driving range. No balls. All right. So we're gonna talk let's talk schedule. schedule a little bit. Let's talk schedule, baby. Casey's we, chomping at the bit. We we already mentioned the first week, the Browns, and I already voiced what I think is gonna happen. I mean, this is just to kind of set a precedent on why I'm so positive on Bengals. They're gonna for the first time, this is a wooden wooden table. For the first time, Joe Burrow is going to have a full offseason and not be hurt, have COVID, or have his freaking organ taken out of his body. So, wow! just for that reason alone, I'm really high on the Bengals to start off the season. I think they have a really, in my opinion, I think they have a really easy schedule. All right, let's put up the, – there's no such thing as easy. Uh, well, let, to let's begin up, the season. Let's put up the schedule as yep. it looks right now, okay? And, and, and we're going to walk through this. We'll, we'll be do- joined by Tommy G to talk a little bit about uh, FC Cincinnati here in, in about 10 minutes. But uh, let's start Bengals v. Brown. I am with you all the way. I think you make a fantastic point about Burrow, right? He's had the whole offseason, whole nine yards. Everything's working right. I mean, you know. Good Lord willing, that doesn't change because that happened with him last year right before, you know, the yeah. whole training. Uh, I've been knocking on this wood really hard. That's right. <laughs> All right, but you, look, I, I know we joke around on this show a lot, but it, it, it cannot be denied. Cleveland has given the Bengals absolute fits, especially in Cleveland. They haven't won since 2017. With all the stuff that Joe Burrow has done, we talked about it the other day. He hadn't won a game yet in Cleveland. That has not happened. Not yeah. one time. And they've not won a road game in prime time, the franchise in general, since 2013. They're going to get a chance to change that this year. But you say easy. I sit there and look at myself, or look at this schedule, and I say to myself, okay, depending on how you look at the Browns, I know how you look at them, and then I know how I look at them. I think they're two very different points of view. I think the Browns present a tremendous challenge. If you're going to acknowledge that Joe Burrow is coming in healthy with no issues for the first time, you also have to acknowledge, right? Right. That Deshaun Watson is coming in with no issues for the first time, whether they be off the field, primarily, exclusively off the field. Right? He's had the full offseason to get ready. To get ready, to get ready, to get ready, as I like to say, right? Right. Okay, so, and we know they like to run the ball. Yeah. That was not a strong suit of the Bengals last year. I mean, statistically, it looked pretty good, but the teams they played that could really run it ran all over. All right, then you have the next game, which I think is, Paul brings up a great point about you can't. Last year they started 0-2, but only one of the two was a divisional game. They lost to Pittsburgh. And you knew the next time they played them, they were going to kill Pittsburgh. You knew it. They were a better team. They just had a bad day. But they lost to Dallas in week two last year. This year you start back-to-back division games. And for my money, that week two game 
is a monster game. Yeah, the, I, I won't lie to you, Tom. The first two weeks are probably the most important weeks out of the entire season. And that's really weird to say because you can't afford to start off 0-2 or let alone 1-1. and to any. You've got to start off 2-0 and in your division. Get out early. Get out early and get a, a solid footholding in your division. Because if you win those two no games, doubt. more than likely you're, you're going to be on top of your division throughout the entire rest of the season. More than likely. I know the next time they play is week uh, 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 divisional opponent. It's week eleven, but man, you get those two early wins. I don't know, man. I, I really like my chances for the Bengals to win the division, which is all that really matters. Boiling down at the end, I know we talk a lot about first place, but focus on the building blocks to that, right? Division, then we go for first place. But anyways. Like you said, that that's a monster game. I'm surprised it, that's not a prime time game. And we'll get we'll get into that too. Yeah, we'll get into uh, that too. They they only had four, I think. They have four, four and your max you're allowed, I believe, is five. And and I I think it's right? six. Five, oh, they, the, the, the Chargers five. have six. I thought it was five. I thought the max was five. I think five the max too. is five. Well, Did they the, get the Chargers have six, and I can confirm that for sure. Hmm. But but I that they could have extended it to six or I know in the past it was five. Last year it was definitely five. Yeah, interesting. I wonder if there's some kind of an exception for Thursday nights or something like that. I don't know. That seems- Which to me, you know, just that in and of itself, okay, is a joke. That the Chargers are in prime time. It's the L.A. market. I get it. I get it. Um, that makes, you know, that makes sense from a – just straight market size standpoint. But, I mean, when the Chargers play at home, well over half the crowd is made up of teams that they're playing in their own building. Um, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I still think the Bengals have a chance to be flexed into more primetime games, especially when you get late uh, in the season. We talked a little bit about that two days ago. Tell you, our guy, OJ's 94 Bronco, he's been saying this now for weeks. Look out for the Rams. They were Super Bowl champions over the Bengalis just two years ago. They had all kinds of injuries. And that would be KC week three. Let's go back to the schedule here for a minute. Yep. So, if the two of you were betting, and I know you will be when the time comes, if the two of you were betting after the first two weeks of the season, the Bengals' record is. I'm gonna I'm gonna say. Oh man, I'm gonna go three and zero. The first or you said two weeks. First, two I'm weeks. sorry, I'm sorry. I thought you said three. Now um, that is optimism. Casey. That would. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say two and zero. I really think they can do it. I just they can't afford. To, to lose a game. That's that's all I can think of in my mind is why you, they can't. They can't afford to start slow this year. That's too. They have too easy of a schedule to start the season to start off one and one. I'm saying one and one. You're saying one and one? I'm saying one and one. Okay. All right. Then you get to 
The Rams in Tennessee. Look, the Rams are going to be better, but here at home, the Bengals are going to smash the Rams. They got to win that game. On Monday night, they got to win that game. Yeah, they're they're, going to smash the Rams. And I think their interior of the offensive line is much better. I don't think Aaron Donald's going to terrorize the Bengals like he did last last time they faced. So give me the Bengals on that game. Now, your good friend Tomas, the best man in your wedding, who still has zero uh, communication about the uh, bachelor party. What do you mean? He's already. Not, we already got it all I'm, figured out. I'm not, I have not heard a word about it, and maybe there's a reason for that. But that's no, okay. no. It's okay. We'll, My feelings we'll, can be hurt. We'll talk about I'll it. I'll get through it. Um, but they're going to smash the Rams, and they're going to smash Tennessee on the road. Uh, they're going to go out to Arizona, and they're going to beat them. Then you start getting into some games that, that – I think a lot of us, me included, and when I go down this schedule, I look at some games that I think you kind of blow off a little bit, but I think they are much more, I think this is a tough Bengals schedule this year, and it should be. You're a first-place team from a year ago, division champ. But the two games that stand out for me, now luckily both are at home, and there are a lot of other games we're going to get to later. But the two games for me that I look up there and I say, man, I think those are tougher games than you think. Are Seattle and Minnesota? Thank you. I appreciate you saying that because I think Seattle is very underrated right now. But I agree, Tom. I, I think Seattle's one of those teams that people are just going to overlook on this schedule. I think that's a way bigger game than most people are making it out to be. And the Vikings, I mean, last year they just managed to win, even though we all knew they were like. Yeah, they were a fraud. They were a fraud. They just kept winning games. Right. And depending on when that time it's to be determined, depending on that time slot, um, if it's not 1 p.m., Kirk Cousins is in serious trouble. So um, maybe not so much the Vikings for me, but Seattle definitely. I, I think the for me, when I look at this schedule, I think the first part of the season – they got to they gotta start strong because I think it's the easiest part of the season. And then I would say the middle part, pretty tough. San Fran, uh, Bills, I know you got an easy one with the Texans, but then you play Ravens right after that on a Thursday night, so that's a short week. And then you go play Steelers. So you got two divisional games, two first-place teams, and a snoozer in the middle of your season. I think that's really tough. Um, I tell you, the back half of that schedule, man, and we'll get to that after we, we visit with Tommy G. We're going to get to that. But you look at those teams. Uh, one footnote, by the way. Yeah. You realize that by opening on the road and then your home opener is against Baltimore, the last three home games the Bengals have played are all against Baltimore. They played them in the regular season finale last year. It's true. They played them in the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> right? Yeah. I didn't and they even were on the road that. at Buffalo and, and, and Kansas City. And now they come back the following year, and their first home game is against Baltimore. That's <laughs> Just make it easy on the locker room. I wonder it. how often that's <laughs> happened. That, that, can't be a, that can't be something that's very common at all. There's, right? no, that, there's no way. Is, this, is that the first time that's ever happened? It would not shock me if that is. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I mean, is it conceivable uh, if you look at a team, you know, pick somebody like, I don't know, who's a team that makes the playoffs every year? Well, for years and years and years, it was New England. I mean, is it conceivable their last home game on a given year was against Miami 
and then Miami goes up there in those lily white uniforms and the teal and all that nonsense and the snow and the cold and get run over uh, by New England. And then maybe it's the Patriots' first game the next year. Um, maybe. But, uh, yeah, three straight games at home all against the same opponent. That will be the story. All right. Kind enough to join us. Man, he's going to be busy coming up. He's already busy. Tommy Galerder, Tommy G, voice of FC Cincinnati. Tomas, how are you, young man? Well, I'm good to see you again. Uh, happy to be here and happy that the success continues to roll for the Orange and Blue. Well, you're not lying. I mean, look, I, I want to stick yeah. before we get to some other topics that I brought up earlier. Yeah. And I want to get into some of this stuff with you, because as I asked you when you were kind enough to join us the last time, I think for a lot of people, especially with the momentum that FC Cincinnati is building, there are a lot of people that want to jump on the bandwagon. And if you're, you know, working for a team like you with FC, you welcome all members of the bandwagon. Yep. But we got, but we got to have a little soccer 101 at some <laughs> point today. But we'll for get sure. to that. Yeah, there's no question. Okay. I want to ask you first of all, though, just about the, the, the team in general. There was a game we talked about the last time you were kind enough to join us leading up to the big game in, uh, in New England. That turns out to be a draw. Come back, get a win. Um, second most points uh, in the MLS so far this year. What's the state of the team as far as you're concerned right now? Where are they on offense, on defense, big picture? Well, look, you're a third of the way through the season and have been fantastic. You've been perfect at home. They have won every single home match played at TQL Stadium. That extends the U.S. Open Cup, so they've had a couple bonus home games, and they've won every match. They've won nine games across all competitions, and they've all been by one goal. So you can look at that and analyze it one of two ways. Either this is a good team that finds a way to win close games and hasn't conceded that goal that's turned those wins into draws. Or you could say, hey, they're not scoring enough and you're concerned. I'm probably going to go with the former than in, in, instead of the latter because I think right now they're doing the right things. And that, that Pat Noonan has coached a, a fantastic team this year. And they've only conceded once in the final 30 minutes. And uh, I, I take fault for that. It was a little bit of a broadcaster jinx because as quickly as I said it, they conceded in the final 30 minutes. So, you know, you hold on to that nugget as long as you can, hoping, hoping it ain't going to go against you. But, uh, look, they've, they've only given them one goal in the final, final half an hour of a match. And that is huge. Um, offensively, sure. I think everybody wants them to do more offensively. Pat Noonan wants them to do more offensively. Brandon Vasquez wants them to do more offensively. Sergio Santos is hoping for more uh, offensively. And, and the fan base is. And, and that's okay. This is a team that scored a lot of goals last year. But they continue to be very good defensively with their back line and their goalkeeper, their defensive midfield. Everybody's been so good back there that they haven't had to score mm -hmm. in the numbers that they did last year. And so that's a positive. And at that one-third mark, 11 games into a 34-match regular season, they're right where they want to be. Okay, let, let me ask you this. Um, as far as you mentioned Santos, but as far as the personnel they have right now, and, and whether that be uh, players with with high upside moving forward for the rest of the season. Um, is the talent there to start, in theory, becoming yep. a better offensive team? Yeah, it is, for sure. And and Sergio and Brandon have a very good partnership 
up top, I think. Uh, I think Brennan really benefits from Sergio's speed. I've talked about it on a broadcast already a few times, but all I do is think back to that playoff game last year when Sergio comes off the bench replacing Brenner. He makes that great run up the left side. It pulls the defensive attention to him because of his pace, and then he makes a cross and delivers a brilliant ball to Brandon. He scores what ends up being the game winner to, to move FC Cincinnati on in the playoffs. So I think the weapons are there, and I think that Chris Albright and his staff are out looking for some reinforcements, not necessarily to replace starters, but to provide depth. Because you mentioned a very busy stretch coming up. We're going to see, you know, if, if FC Cincinnati continues on in the Open Cup, then it's going to continue to be busy. And I tweeted something yesterday that right now with the Open Cup win and knowing that they're going to play New York in, in two weeks out in New Jersey, they will now play a minimum of 39 matches this year. Last season with two playoff games, they played 38. So they're going to eclipse that before getting to the playoffs. Wow. And if you're in the first round this year, you're guaranteed at least two. And I think it would be tragically disappointing if FC Cincinnati is not in the playoffs. So tack on two more and you already get 41. If you advance any further in the Open Cup, that's 42 and, and so on beyond there. And if you advance in the League's Cup, which is certainly the goal, then you're 43 and you're getting closer to the mid 40s uh, as far as as that game load is concerned. So I think that right now the biggest piece is to add a few more depth pieces. They know that Brenner is leaving July 1st. Uh, after that match against New England, he, he makes the move to Italy. So they are looking certainly, and Chris has acknowledged that to me in the interviews that I've done with him, that they're looking for an attacking piece to replace him. And, and they have the backing of ownership and the funds to do it. So I think there's a great opportunity to enhance what is already a very talented team that's firing on all cylinders. Um, from, from, a from when you talk about going out and this, this again, now, Tommy is, is MLS talk one Oh one. Okay. We right. know, and you just alluded to, we know, and we, you and I talked about this the last time you were on how players ultimate goal in a perfect world is to get and play overseas at the very, very highest level. It'd be no different right. than we, we, I made the analogy of a, a player playing in the Japanese league. They get a chance to come play major league baseball that's what they ultimately want to do if they get the chance. Okay, having said that with soccer. Um, so, so help me here and teach, teach you something here. If you're looking for another player at this point in the season to replace somebody that's leaving your team, mm -hmm. where do you go look for that player? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think it depends a little bit on circumstance. Last year, if you remember, they brought on Matt Miazga, who was – Chelsea's property, Chelsea's player, but he had been loaned out across Europe and in, in different situations, but he came in, the transfer came from Chelsea. Now, this is a guy who played in Major League Soccer, got the chance to go over, didn't really get a lot of time with Chelsea, but he was back in their camp when he got transferred back. So you get a domestic player in that regards. Um, as you look for players of, of the caliber, especially attacking players, I think there's a couple of different paths, and we've seen a lot of success from MLS teams in going to South America and finding guys who have a very high ceiling, who want to come to America to score a whole bunch of goals with the hope of then being sold over to Europe. And so, sure, maybe that makes Major League Soccer a stepping stone. I think there's other guys in Europe who maybe have gone and haven't had the opportunity or haven't seen the playing time that they hoped when they got the opportunity to go over there. And now they want to come to Major League Soccer where they play every night. Uh, it's not exactly a Yersin Mascara example, but Yersin Mascara 
is an example of a guy who is in England, but there weren't the minutes for him. He's on loan, and I don't think they're necessarily looking for another loan situation, probably a purchase situation in, in bringing in an attacking player. But you're going to bring in somebody, and 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 then I think they look. Um, you know, Europe is big. Uh, there's been success in finding guys in Asia uh, who have played there, and, and and guys in the Middle East as well. As those leagues have been elevated, so I think South America though is a major, major target. I know that they have a lot of scouts keeping an eye on guys down there because you find guys who who look uh, in Atlanta right now. Tiago Almada has been unbelievable. Best player in Major League Soccer probably this season. And Atlanta is going to get a very, very big check when he gets sold to Europe. And they felt they, they found him in South America, brought him in, and, and he's going to be moving on. So uh, I, I think South America gets a lot of attention from MLS teams. And I think FC Cincinnati scouts certainly have their eyes there as well. Okay, now uh, uh, get off FC Cincinnati. Well, not off the team. Uh, yeah. Again, Soccer 101 here, okay? Yeah. I, I, I just I, – I sit there and I was talking about this with Casey and with Paul before the show. And, and as you know, big soccer fans. I'm a soccer fan. I played soccer. I talked about this. But I have a hard time understanding and help me with this and help our viewers with this. I start a season and I want to get on the FC Cincinnati bandwagon. And, man, it's mm -hmm. been an unbelievable ride so far. All the things you just talked about, TQL Stadium, selling out every home game, winning every home game, all those kinds of things. Okay, but I also know that when the season starts, or I'm starting to learn that when the season starts, I can have players taken away. We've addressed that. But now all of a sudden, once the season starts, there's something called the Lamar Hunt U.S. Cup that's actually going on inside of right. my season, right? right. Could, could yep. you help me understand what that is? is instead of playing one game a week playing the nfl i mean the uh, mls season yeah. schedule and now all of a sudden you're playing in something else it's a very unique situation and it's unique to the sport and it's very common across the globe it takes place in england if uh, you pay attention you have a favorite english premier league team they have multiple other competitions the fa cup uh if you're lucky enough to, to qualify for champions league uh, the Caribou Cup, and many of those are domestic competitions, uh, such as the Caribou Cup, where you are competing against other teams in England. And the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup is just that. It's the United States, and it's all teams across all divisions. So if Tom Burnerman wants to put together a beer league team and compete with your buddies and try to qualify for the Open Cup, there will be qualifiers this fall for amateur teams to get into the U.S. Open Cup. And every once in a while... They call, I mean, they will qualify every once in a while. They'll get past the first round or two, and, and you'll see a beer league team maybe in the third third round playing a USL team or something along those lines. Uh, FC Cincinnati, when, when USL was tier three in 2017, had that fantastic run when they made it all the way to the semifinal and led 2-0 in the 75th minute against New York. So it's an opportunity for teams across America to battle to win a trophy. And now FC Cincinnati's in the round of 16 and, and a win away from being in the quarterfinals in the final eight of this competition. And there's a reward. There's a financial reward if you okay. win it. But you also qualify for CONCACAF Champions League, which is the big competition of, of teams from across all of CONCACAF. Uh, so that, that includes North America um, and Central America. So you look at all these different teams that will be thrown into the mixer. Last year, Seattle was the first team from MLS to ever win CONCACAF Champions League. 
LAFC has a chance to be the second team to do it. They just beat Philadelphia to move on to the final. So they will be playing a team from Mexico, just as uh, Seattle did last year. And it was a pretty big deal. Now, Seattle went all in on that competition, the CONCACAF Champions League, because they had the opportunity to do something. They missed the playoffs for the first time in franchise history because of it. And this is where it gets complicated, right? Because FC Cincinnati has now won two games in the Open Cup which is adding these midweek games. Now, last or this past week, two days ago, they played in the Open Cup. They don't play this weekend. So it didn't really affect how he looks at his lineup for the match on Wednesday or, or this Saturday because there's no match. But now they go Wednesday in league when they come back into play against Montreal. Mm -hmm. Then the massive hell is real game against Columbus on Saturday. Then they will turn around and, and play Tuesday in New Jersey. So that's a pretty quick turnaround after two big home games. And then a trip to Colorado behind that to get back in league play and a trip midweek to New York City, home for Chicago. And if they win, then they're home for a game on June 6th. So now they're playing midweek, three straight weeks in a row. And that gives you six games in what? That's, that's a 22-day period, I think. So that's where your depth is going to be tested. And that's where you have to make a decision as a coach, too, is right. what are you doing roster-wise and rotation-wise, and what are you prioritizing? Are you prioritizing those U.S. Open Cup games, or are you prioritizing your MLS games? Because remember, FC Cincinnati's having a pretty good MLS season right now and, and competing for a supporter shield. So it, it's a tricky balance for a manager. In 2017, when FC Cincinnati, as a lower division team, was that close, 15 minutes from going to the final to play Kansas City, they, you know, they, they prioritized the Open Cup. And got punished on a couple weekends after those midweek Open Cup games because they went all in to beat Chicago, to beat Columbus, to beat Miami, um, and, and even in that New York game. Then they played uh, New York Red Bulls, too, and it, it was an ugly result on the weekend. So uh, you have to make some decisions. But, yes, it's, it's very uncommon. It would be as if in the middle of uh, the Major League Baseball season that the MLB teams took a break from the MLB season to – spend Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday playing a series against a professional team from Costa Rica or or playing, uh, you know, a, a series against a professional team from Puerto Rico right. um, in, in a sense. Right. Um, so but it's competing for another trophy and you have an opportunity. You know, you can win the League's Cup this year. You can win the U.S. Open Cup. You can win the Supporters Shield or you can win MLS Cup or you can try to win all four, which would be pretty cool. That wouldn't be bad at all. No. Uh, Tommy, I hope you'll come back uh, next week. Yep. We'd love to have you back next week to get ready for that. And I, I know the game's <laughs> in the middle of the week as well, but, I mean, that Columbus game, that's a uh, big deal. We can talk one. more about yep. that next week for sure. So, uh, safe travels, my friend. Godspeed ahead. Tommy Galera, always great having you with us, buddy. Yeah, sounds good. I appreciate it, and I'll look forward to next Friday. Okay. Tommy's the best. See you guys. He's the best. He really is. He's the best. I meant to ask him why he was on here. He, does he have some, some – Tommy, let me ask you a quick question. I hear you, you a little bit of an accent. Do, do you have do you have some foreign blood or or, or family? I, I with do, foreign but blood? not not directly. Like my grandparents, uh, they immigrated during during World War II, so they were Jewish, and and right. their town in, in Czechoslovakia was under siege, and my grandfather had the resources to get out, so they came to Cleveland. He no was Hungarian. Kidding. All the Hungarians went to Cleveland, so I'm from Cleveland. But when I got to Syracuse, and my roommates, who I'm still friends with and still have a group chat with today. They, honestly, and it's funny because my freshman year, they called me Kentucky Tom. They thought I had just a little bit of a Southern twang in my voice, and I, See, I can't I explain it. I didn't sense it as Southern twang. I, I, I know. These are all the New Yorkers. Kind of a European you know? thing. 
Maybe. Maybe it's a little uh, a nod to my grandfather from Hungary well, who like came that, over. That'd be all right. He obviously had a lot of bravery to get out of there, so good for him. Yeah, exactly. So Amen. came over on the boat to Ellis Island. So God great bless story. You. Great to have yep. Tommy, all right. talking we'll to see you, you buddy. Week. Have a great weekend. Be good. Okay. Great to have Tommy Galerda with us. He goes by Tommy G, but we decided, and thank you for your help, Paul, because I really want to make sure we knew how to pronounce his name. It's not an easy name to pronounce. Good man. Good man. Uh, the chat is out of control. Uh, I mean, gone way off the rails. They're out of control. This week is... I mean, uh, and later in the day, we're doing what today? It's, it's Casey's first ever chat power ranking, so... I think that's what it is. I think that's why, because everyone just doesn't know what I'm going to do. And they, they, they want to be in the chat power rankings, but because I've been the enemy of the chat as of late, <laughs> they don't want to they, be in they're your so, rankings. They're, they're so thrown off right now. It, it's so hard for them right now to, to be <laughs> cooperating. There are stand up. I mean, you know. Here, Tommy had talked about his family coming over, and PJ, PB's ghost says, my grandparents came over on the boat to Ellis Island as well, and leave it to OJ's 94 Bronco as we go to break. El Paso is the new Ellis Island. We'll leave it at that, Ham and Eggers. Borders wide open. Come on in. <laughs> it's that type of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great. Trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. Feel whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa! <laughs> We're back. Feels like we should do this segment twice. Did not do ads yesterday, so we are here today. The Bengals report, and we are talking a lot about the Bengals. Yeah. Is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both. Centralized computing modules and, um, I mean, we were we were close. It well, supports both centralized and work from home computing models to improve efficiency what? and productivity. That's right, Casey. Efficiency and productivity. Ooh, now where hard. now where do people need to visit? Visit. Hang on, it's visit Encore Technologies. Mm, well, visit yeah, but like on the web, where do people visit on the web? Encore.tech. That's right, Casey. Visit. And the, what the path what, of innovation begins here? Yeah, I was going to say, what yeah. begins there? The path to innovation. The other thing, uh, Pony Water. Here, hold on. Let me get a thing of Pony Water. It's empty. It's empty, but it's here. Pony Water. It's right here. Pony Water. I just finished it. It's great. Made right here across the street in Hamilton, Ohio. Uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. The don't, result... Don't change it. Don't change it. Okay. Just leave it. Oh. Okay. Okay. Put it, put it... Okay. Twist it. Uh-oh. Twist it. I want to show them. Oh, oh, oh. Yes. This is great. The result is a healthy alkaline water that is also the best tasting water in the world. Visit PontyWater.com. That's P-A... H-H-N-I-Water.com, P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. Get your coffee from UDF. Drink Pawnee water. Uh, Tom's about to walk back in, so I think this is as good as you're going to get here, Casey. And what were the other two? It was get your coffee. What did I not mention? Encore.tech, 
Get your technology solutions from Encore and bet with Betfred. Those are the other two. Okay. All right, we got lots uh, to come here today. We got good stuff today. We got uh, Bobby Nightingale coming up, Bobby Nightingale Jr. Uh, coming up to talk about the Redlegs uh, starting a series tonight down in Miami. Uh, and that will be followed by three games in Denver. And by the way, uh, kind enough to agree to join us next week, Monday, uh, Drew Goodman, longtime television voice of the Colorado Rockies. So the Reds open a series out there on Monday. Uh, Boom Shakalaka says, uh, Casey, you have a future on the Price is Right. I guess. I guess I do. Says you might need to nair those arms, though. I got some hairy arms. I mean, we, we have got some folks in here that just, uh, I love you all. You know, I do. They also want to know why Paul is stressed. George Santos checking in after being indicted. Yeah, wants to know why I'm dressed like a uh, clubhouse employee of the Reds. <laughs> He's spot on. <laughs> Hey, the Reds won yesterday. I was going through my closet this morning, and I was thinking, hey, what should I wear? I'll get a polo. It's supposed to be a, a nice warm day out today. Maybe a little rainy, but a nice warm day. And I thought, you know what? Reds won yesterday. Casey didn't wear the Viking helmet. Mm. Hasn't worn it the last couple of days. So I'll, I, I'll bring the Reds polo out. I have not. Uh, there's only – so I've been to five Reds games. Every game, except for one, has been a loss. So I think that also has something to do with some of the, the – we don't want me to go to a Reds game. That's what I'm getting at. I don't think it's the Viking helmet. I think it's me going to Reds games that is cursed. Yes. So I haven't been going, and they just do well. Whenever I it's go, okay. they do terrible. It's all right, Casey. You'll, you'll buck that trend. Well, I don't think you're going down to Miami, right? No. You're not going out to Denver? No, don't think so. Okay. Um, I, I want to um, – I, I want to ask one question about, because, I, look, everybody, as you pointed out, they are on edge about uh, uh, the chat rankings. Yeah. Okay? And for those who don't know, please explain, Paul, what the chat rankings are. Because there's some people new to the program on yeah, a daily sure. basis. Okay? Yeah. And we didn't really start doing this on this show until this week. Yeah. So yeah. could you please explain to those out there that have no idea what in the world we're talking about? Yeah, generally, we at the end of Box Lunch on Fridays, it's the grand finale to the week. Everybody has so much fun in the chat. Really, we always talk about the chat, not to get too sidetracked here, but we talk about the chat almost like its own show. Yes, it Every, is. Everybody comes in here. Everybody's friends with each other. We joke around. We kind of get on each other's cases. But at the end of the day, we're all, we're all good friends in the chat. We uh, all have a lot of fun. That's debatable. That's debatable. But go ahead. Very debatable. Go ahead. And then at the end of the week, Somebody gets rewarded. Five people actually get rewarded being on the chat power rankings. Usually it's Reed, but last week he gave it to me, and then now this week it's Casey. It'll go back to Reed next week. Well, somebody said in the chat they thought it was Nick Kirby next week. Oh, is Kirby in charge? Well, I, they just asked a question. I'm not saying that that's a fact. I have no idea. Reed delegates. So if Reed wants to give it to Kirby, so be it. It's up to him. It was, it was Reed's brainchild, so we let him, we let him the rule decisions. the roost on that if he wants to. But anyway, OJ's brought 94 Broncos says Everett won George two. We have plenty to talk about before we get to those that I think people will be uh, fired up about here between the, between 1051 and 1158 when we do them. Okay. 
Um, I, I want to get into, before we get to Bobby Nightingale Jr. coming up in about 10 minutes from now, um, your guy, did you guys get a chance to watch any of the NBA stuff last night? I watched both games. Okay, that first game, I, th- that was one of the weirdest games I've ever seen. Yes. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, it, it was. It. Uh, what's going on with James Harden? I just don't understand how you can be such a top-tier performer at some points and then just completely evaporate in others. I just don't understand the lack of consistency. I Look, I understand when you have a good game or a bad game, but to completely no-show or I – mean, there was one point toward the end of the game, I think there were less than two minutes left, and Boston had a lead. Jason Tatum had hit a couple of threes, but yeah. it wasn't insurmountable. Like in the NBA right. – you're down nine. If, if you're down nine. Because Boston looked like they were in trouble with three to go. Yeah, and if you're down nine in college with two minutes left, game's probably close to over. You're down nine in the NBA with two minutes left, you're you're good. Well, like, you're not good, but you're, you're not done. You're not done. You're not done. You're not done. You're not in a great spot, but you're not done. You hit a couple threes, boom, you're right back in a one-possession game. With the shot-making of these guys, they can do that. So now all of a sudden you look at a situation where it's a – Six-point game, I think, at that point. Right. Maybe nine points. And Doris Burke, I thought, made a great point. They turned the ball over. Harden and Embiid didn't even get back defensively. It was like they, the, they, their body language, they'd given up. It's like they're fighting for their lives here. What are we doing? Listen, this is what we talked about. With it. There are stars, and there are people that are going to put guys like Harden in that next category. He's not. Statistically, he might be. Statistically, throughout his career, he might be. But as you know here in Nutcutter Nation, okay, the true Nutcutters show up at Nutcutting time. And there are, it's a very small group that are up there that are still left in this playoff. Curry's in that group. LeBron is in that group. Jokic is in that group. Jimmy Butler's in that group. Embiid, I don't know yet. MVP of the league, phenomenal player, right? And if you're going to give the guy credit for hustling down the floor and making that great block two games ago, right? You also got to point out, as Doris Burke did, you know, not hustling back. Uh, I heard somebody suggest, and Paul, you watch a lot of basketball. I heard someone suggest when Embiid did not play in game one and Harden went off. He was unbelievable, and they rolled Boston in game one. I heard a lot of people that are, that are knowledgeable basketball fans, can't remember what it was on ESPN or FS1 or whatever it was, saying that they would seriously consider for the rest of the series running the Philadelphia offense through Harden and not Embiid when he got back. In other words, dumping it down in, you know, all the kind of, that sure. kind of thing. Well, ever since then, they've not been the same offensive team. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a hard sell. I don't, yeah, I don't know if I agree with that, but I I do see. I mean, it's tough for me to say that you have the MVP of the league out for one game and James Harden has a historic performance. You can't expect him to have a historic performance night in and night out, but to go for like 45, you're not going to get 45 out of James Harden every night. You're, no, you're, you're not, not going to get that out of James Harden every night. No, but if your team's going to win in the playoffs, you got to get 25 out of Harden. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, he will truly be put to the test game seven. Am I right? There's if he no doesn't doubt. Come out, if he doesn't come out then, 
man, he, he it's going to be really tough for him to get into the nut cutter nation. Is there sure. anything better than a game seven? I don't care what sport it is. Of course, soccer, you wouldn't have that. But I'm talking about <laughs> face soccer, basketball, football. You don't have it. Baseball, basketball, NHL. Is there anything better than a game seven? No. 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 A decisive game period. It could be in a best of five. There's nothing better, man. I mean, every single little thing is just under such a huge microscope. I'm guilty. We're all guilty of forgetting these guys are not robots, right? You know, that old adage, they put on their socks and pants just like you and me, okay? So people are going, human beings are going to make mistakes. Or you're going to miss a shot. It doesn't mean you're a bum. But, man... I mean, I've had a chance to broadcast a lot of baseball uh, decisive games and series, including a World Series, and there's nothing like it. Uh, that Boston Garden, that would be a fun place to be. Um, now, the, the only thing that stinks is if you get one of those decisive games where one team just completely shows up and blows them right out of the gym, right? That happened with the Reds, for example, the last time they had a chance to win a playoff series in 2012. Win the first two in San Francisco, lose the next two. Uh, and then here comes game five, and Posey hits one in the stands with the bases juiced early in the game. That game was over. What are you laughing about, Casey? Nothing. No, you have that grin on your face. What are you laughing about? I'm literally just looking at uh, some, some names on a list here, Tom, for chat power rankings. That's all. He's Keep going. He's a simple. Keep listening. on rolling. I'm listening. That's what my wife says, and I don't believe it. <laughs> or actually, that's what I say, and she doesn't believe it. I'm listening. I'm not hearing. I'm listening. Active listening. You have to be an active listener. Have you guys ever read that book, The Love Languages? Have you ever read that book? Oh, Lizzie made me read that, or at least skim it. I skimmed it. I can't sit here and lie and say I read the whole thing. Casey, have you read it? No, don't think There's so. There's five of them, right? There are. Do you think after 23 years I should consider reading that book? Hmm. Why you not? Way, you can always grow, right? Well, you, it doesn't hurt anything. Uh, it, for sure. And in fact, it might help, right? You should do that. you got three weeks to read that book, Casey. Get on it. Casey, you're getting ready to get married. You for damn sure. But, I mean, Paul, I mean, whatever world that they're living in, right? I mean, they, they just got an agreement. <laughs> they just Pretty got an agreement one. you and I don't live in that world Casey no I sent her that clip the other day I go I'm sorry for what what did you apologize for well, I think it's more so just like a, she's like a get your act together I'm like alright did she was I'm that just, was I'm that just, what she said I'm, sh I'm just get your act together I'm saving money no nah, but I know I'm saving money He's saving money, Tom. He's preparing. He's hey, there, there's nothing wrong Steaming. with that. Um, here, here's what I like. Um, and, and again, our good, good friend George Santos says, I've never read the book, but I'm currently using that book as a coaster. <laughs> he's been on one today. Yeah, I mean, he's got to be climbing up the rank. <laughs> he is. <laughs> he's, he's had a couple good one-liners today. 
I'm no I'm note taking, fellas. Note taking. But is this an accumulation on how they've been for the week? So have you paid any attention? Paul explained that earlier. The answer is yes. Yes. Have you really paid attention or made any notes since it's on you this week to choose the winner? Yeah. Yeah. So you know who's brought their A games going back to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. Everett says, glad you're taking notes now 30 minutes before the rankings are officially announced. Well, I don't have to write everything. Some of it's just up here. Some of it's just up here. Uh, since we're getting ready to talk about the Reds, boy, here's a great, here's a great point. Derby Stardom says the Cincinnati Reds have won nine consecutive World Series games. That's true. Nine. Nine in a row. That would be the final game of 75, game seven. That would be a four-game sweep of the Yankees the following year. And that would be a four-game sweep in 1990 of the Oakland Athletics. Well, let's make it 13. Let's make it 13 games in a row, Tom. Tom, what do we have to do to get you to buy in on this team and what they're doing? What went will What is what, there what, to buy into? I mean, they are they are multiple games under 500. I'm not saying that there aren't some 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 nice things to to sort of jump onto and latch onto, but I'm not going to get carried away on this stuff. I mean, I look at the perfect example, and I'm going to ask Bobby Nightingale Jr. about this in a minute. I'm not all over the Hunter Green bandwagon. Okay. Okay? Okay. Now, let me, let me say this. I am always consistent in this one regard as it pertains to baseball in any sport. The bottom line is, at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is how many did you score and how many did they score. That's all that matters at the end of the day. So a quarterback can go 11 of 31, throw for 190 yards, throw two touchdowns and two picks. Did his team outscore the other team? Doesn't mean he had a great game. Did his team win the game? Okay. Hunter Green the other day. Five-plus innings, again, well over 100 pitches, gives up six hits and walks four. He gives up 10 base runners in five innings. That is a guaranteed equation of more times than not getting your tail kicked. 10 base runners in five innings. Now, back to my original point. How many runs did he allow? He only allowed two. So there's a lot to be said for that. But I continue to look at him, and I say to myself, jury's out. High upside, throws a ball through this concrete wall over here, no doubt. Hardest throw in baseball, can't argue. Numbers back it up. But I, I'm, not, I'm not buying in yet on him. I think that he has an extraordinary amount of talent. I think that 99.9% of the pitchers in baseball would love to have his talent and his arm and his makeup. Seems like an awesome kid. He really does, right? Easy to like. Great smile, great with the fans, 
All that sort of stuff. So, are there guys that are doing well right now? Is TJ Friedel having a nice year? He is having a nice year. But he's also in his, you know, he's 27 years old. Jake Fraley, he's okay. He's 28. Okay? You're not building franchises around those two guys. You're not building winning championship division contending teams with those guys. They might be a nice piece on your team. Great makeup guys. Jonathan India, great rookie year, stunk last year. Off to a good start this year. Not a good defensive second baseman. I don't think he's playing the position that he's ultimately going to be playing. So am I all in on him? Nope, I'm not. Stevenson missed almost all of last year. Year before, is potential there? Does he look like he could be a really good hitter? No doubt about it. Am I sold on him? Not a chance. Is that fair? Are all of those fair in summation? Yay or nay? I, I agree, but disagree because I'm, I'm just looking at I'm looking at the games he's played in, Hunter Green specifically. He uh, 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 back up, teaching case pitch, pitched. There you go. My, my mistake. That a boy. Four games were lost by one run. I mean, <clears throat> I I'm not trying to defend him in terms of just as of recently. It's not been great. The month of May, he has a 5.73 ERA. That's not acceptable. But, man. He only uh, has one start with more than three runs given up. Yeah, like, that. that's that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like, that's not bad. Like, if you can, if you're. It's very obvious, good. Obviously, he's not, uh, all, like, the all-star pitcher. But if your starting pitcher is averaging two to three runs a game, your offense should be able to help you. The problem is his longevity. He's just not, he's not pitching long enough in games. I mean, you look, bring that back up. Yep. Innings pitch. Like five, we, we need five, him getting five, into the six. seventh here. Yeah. We don't need you know these guys that are going out there and then you got to rely on the bullpen for four to five innings. That that just can't happen. Well, and he saw front and center the other day what you want him to become. Now I'm not suggesting that that, that the Hunter Green. It, it, it's an unrealistic expectation. It is. I don't care how much talent he is. It's an unrealistic expectation for him to become Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander is going to the Hall of Fame, but that's the guy that he pitched against the other day. Hunter Green throws roughly the same number of pitches in five innings, walking guys, whole nine yards, whereas Verlander, only a second start of the year. Maybe one start all year long before that game two days ago. Seven innings, right around 100 pitches, gives up one run, lets him put the ball in play. He's not walking anybody. He'll strike out guys because he's just in Verlander. But, you know, that's... And I don't know how much pitchers, well, actually, I do know. They don't pay attention to really being able to watch the starting pitcher of the other team in games in which they are pitching. But, you know, if, say, Max Scherzer would have been pitching in the first game of the series, Hunter Green, no doubt, would have been sitting there and really paying attention to what Max Scherzer is doing on the mound. What's he doing when, when guys get first and second and one out? What's he doing second and third and one out? What's he doing first and second, nobody out? 
what's he doing in pitch counts? Greg Maddox used to say all the time, 0-2, why am I throwing? How many times have all of us seen? Catcher gets behind the batter, starts holding the glove way up here, right? I mean, to waste a pitch to throw a fastball, and he just throws, and it's so high that the batter's not going to chase the ball. Wasted pitch. Now, for some guys, that can be effective if you're coming right back uh, with a slider on one and two that the guy has no chance on, right? Hunter Green's not there yet. So you can't be wasting pitches. And, and, and guys like Verlander, Scherzer, the greats, they don't waste a lot of pitches. Greg Maddox used to talk about it all the time. He says, well, why am I going to throw another pitch that has no chance to result in an out, a strike, nothing? It's only going to be a ball, a wasted pitch, and that's why they call it a wasted pitch. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, the only thing I would like to add to just the Hunter Green conversation, it too, is right now I don't think there's anything to make you say that, you know, that you should be all in on him. But the fact that he is 23 yep. and he's playing average right now, I think that there, there's a lot of hope there still, right? It's not like you're. Oh, absolutely. I think that I think that's the point is more more or less that you believe that he can develop, and I think that's always been the case for him. But yeah, I mean, I, I just like George Santos said, he's average right now, and is that are we really expecting him to have blown up right now or to be at that All Star level at this moment? I don't think that that was a realistic expectation. And we had a number of guests on this show and asked them before this season ever began, if your team is not expected to be very good, what would be realistic expectations for this group of very talented young pitchers? In Ashcraft, Lodolo, Green. Number one, good health. Amen. Number two, um, start pitching deeper into games and accumulating innings effective innings right not just five innings three runs i mean at the end of the day that's not a disaster five innings three runs by any stretch of the imagination it's not green's case five innings two runs the other day but average now his overall season earn run average it's not too bad he's in the in the mid threes upper edge of the threes but basically every single game um that he pitches, you're seeing, outside of one or two here and there, you're seeing a guy who's going five innings with 105, 107, 108 pitches, rarely going beyond five and a third, something like that. And most of the time, a number of walks, obviously a lot of strikeouts. So that means more and more pitches, obviously. Um, He's been, he has been average average and I think it would be a realistic expectation with his talent that he should be a little better than average is that unrealistic to think no I mean I don't I don't think so I I I just I look at this team just as a whole Tom and I know everything you've just said I just I don't know I guess I lean more toward the glass half full that that these guys will pan out. You got. I'm trying to no, latch on. You asked me the question. It's not a matter of me looking at it half full. Yeah. Or a half empty. Well, I'm not looking at it that way. You just asked me what would it take 
Yeah. If I remember right. Yeah, no, that's right. I think the that's question right. you asked that's right. me, what would it take for me to buy in? Yes, that's okay. right. And, and all I'm saying is I acknowledge the guy has all the talent in the world. Yes. I acknowledge, I mean, Lodolo, Ashcraft, look, I, there's a lot to be excited about. But at the end of the day, you still have to go do it. And so I'm not going to let my hope get in the way of what I'm watching. I know that I can hope they do well and they have the talent to do well. But are they doing well? And right now, I think they're pitching like a lot of second-year pitchers, right? Yeah. That are, you know, you're going to have this. And we understand that. But I think you want to see, you know, kind of like this. I think you want to see a little bit of this. You're going to get a little bit of that. I think you see a little bit of this. You get a little, still a little bit of that. I think you want to see a little bit more of this. You're still going to have that. Might have a dip, but then I, I got to see coming back up again. Right? It's like a stock. That's fair. Yeah. I agree with that. When you buy the stock, would you buy the stock? Would I buy Hunter Green stock? I would buy Hunter Green stock, but what I would do is is I would... Um, you would leverage in. I, I, I would just... Uh, I'm drawing a blank on the term. I would be buying small chunks of that stock. You would ease into it. Yes. Yes. That's what I would be You're doing. not taking options. Uh, and I'm not dumping a pile of money into it right now. Not right. No, no Bobby Nightingale, huh? No Bobby. I, he's I, not... I just sent him a, uh, a text. Unless it's not the, the same email he's been using. but Maybe something's come up. Uh, I shot him a text and have not heard. Um... Uh, PB's Ghost says I would be day trading on Hunter. No, I would not day trade on Hunter Green. I don't believe in day trading, period. But um, Chad wants to know, Nolan Ryan or Bob Gibson? No doubt about it. Bob Gibson all day, every day. All day, every day. I'll put it up for him just because he, he, uh, he sent it. But, yeah, you said Bob Gibson? For sure. For sure. You talk about a member of NCN. Bob Gibson. Oh. I mean, he's right there. I mean, I know that, right, but believe me, and again, that's not taking anything you know, away. You're just asking me about two guys, right? Gibson or Ryan. Ryan's a Hall of Famer, all-time leader in the history of the sport in strikeouts, unbelievably resilient body and arm and makeup and competitive and all that kind of thing. But, but I think Gibson, at the end of the day, was a better pitcher. You know what we should do, Tom? Because we've all been sitting here talking about now that we're getting into the depths of the Major League season. And we do have the PGA Championship coming up next week. FC yep. Cincinnati, of course. Try to get Steve Flesh back with us. Yeah, we got a lot of things rolling here going forward. But as we get into May and June, people know. Everybody knows the sports calendar. You get more into baseball and everything else. You know what we should do, Tom? One of these days where it's maybe a slower day, like a Tuesday or a Wednesday, something like that. Let's get... Your all-time, of guys that you broadcasted, the Tom Brenneman. I'm not talking all-time baseball. I'm talking about guys that you've been around. Let's get the nut-cutter starting lineup. One guy at each position. The nut-cutter starting lineup. Just the guys I broadcast. Sure. 
I mean, if maybe... But they could be from other teams yeah, they could a playoff series or something yeah, like that, right? Yeah, yeah. We're not talking about all time. I'm not saying like Cy I didn't Young. broadcast any games. I, I might look like I'm old enough to broadcast games that uh, Bob Gibson pitched in, but I'm not. Not looking for Bob Gibson or Cy Young or any of those guys or Babe Ruth. None of those guys. I'm talking about your era till now, the all-NCN team. <laughs> I want to like George Santos. He's in this jail. George this George Santos. Yeah, <laughs> not the other one. Uh, and he's a Republican, and he, he's a clown. Uh, but <laughs> he is. He is. And, and, and most of the time, I, I like Republicans, as many of you know, but, but not this one. Um, but, but, but George goes way off the reservation asking, is John Rocker in NCN? Definitely not. Can you give people... A tease? Who leads off? I can tell you Just right one. now, though, if it, it, one pitcher that I broadcast for, and again, people may not like his politics. I don't care. And I don't care about his politics. But one pitcher, one game for me to win tomorrow, not even remotely debatable. It's Kurt Schiller. Not even remotely debatable. And just go look up the postseason numbers for Kurt Schilling. One of the top three all time. Randy? Better than Randy in a po- nut. One game to win. Not cutting time. One game to win. Randy was the best regular season pitcher by far. I mean, when I was there in Arizona, he won four straight Cy Youngs. He was the best. And, and he was better. I mean, Maddox had some numbers in some seasons. But, to, to you know, but, but Randy in the regular season... And I announced a lot of games in Greg Maddox's career with the Cubs. Um, but one game to win. Not even close. I saw Clemens. Somebody asked about Andy Pettit. Saw him. Saw Randy. Saw Greg Maddox. Saw John Smoltz, who would be right there, not far behind. Smoltz. Uh, saw Glavin in the postseason. Saw, I mean, I could go right on down the list. Everybody from Mark Mulder to, to Barry Zito to, I mean, you name it. I mean, all these different teams through the years and having a chance to broadcast uh, postseason baseball, doing 10, 11 straight league championship series. Um, but one game, no doubt, Kurt Schiller. Those three games in the World Series of 2001. And again, we talked about this. You don't see it anymore, and you're never going to see it anymore because of analytics and because of all this kind of stuff. Um, Kurt Schilling and Roger Clemens started against each other in game one. Both of them pitched into the eighth inning. They started against each other in game five. Both pitched into the eighth inning. They started against each other in game seven. And both went through the seventh. You don't see that anymore. That's getting it done. That's get, on top of the 260 or 70 innings they threw during the regular season. You don't see it. All right, Bobby Nightingale Jr., kind enough to uh, join us. The clock is ticking on Bobby Nightingale Jr. I mean, the clock is ticking. Bobby, how much longer you have with uh, Cincinnati.com and with the Enquirer? Yeah, just two weeks now. Uh, 
missed the missed the, the original call for this just because I was on the call with movers. So um, kind of getting down there. So have you already found a place to live in Minneapolis or what's the deal? Still working on that, but sold, sold our place here. So got to be out pretty soon. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, you listen, uh, movers far more important, especially when you can get them on the phone. Okay. Now l- l- let me ask you this. Um, you know, Look, I mean, the, the record might be under 500. We were talking a lot about this before you jumped on. But the bottom line is, I, I don't care if the Mets are slumping, and they're definitely slumping. Um, a really nice uh, three-game series against New York for the Red Legs. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's one of those, you know, if, you're, if you want to be a better team, you have to beat up on teams that are struggling. Um, you know, I felt, I felt like the, the Reds kind of missed an opportunity there against the White Sox, another struggling team at the beginning of the homestand. Um, and then they took kind of care of business against the Mets. I mean, they, they, they were a little fortunate. They got to miss Max Scherzer in the opener, um, but ended up winning that game, producing seven runs. I mean, you're going to win most nights. Um, lost a close one against Verlander, 2-1. to one. Um, You know, Hunter Green in the bullpen kind of stood up in that one when Green didn't have his best stuff. And then getting a 5-0 win against uh Senga, the new pitcher they have there um I mean I mean yeah the Mets are playing great their offense is struggling but um it's also you could look at the, the payroll disparities and yep. I mean, the, the Mets have a lot of advantages there that the Reds don't have and um you know for the Reds to be you know competitive in terms of not making the playoffs I, I think that's kind of pushing it a little bit but if you look at just being competitive like a 70 win team um, you know, these are the series that you kind of see growth compared to maybe the end of last season when um, they really struggled last September with a lot of this same group they have now. You know, Bobby, you're down there talking to David Bell. You're down there talking to the players every single day. And, and I hear this topic debated a lot. We do it in here. I hear it on radio talk shows about, you know, why am I going to get behind there? And I know it's not your, you're not in the business of getting behind the Reds and telling people to go to games. That's not your job. You don't work for them. But I'm curious, when you're down there, um, and I'm really interested in the answer to this question, do you feel like they are, you know, happy that they're playing much better than people had anticipated? Or do you get the sense that they know they are still a 500 team and there is a desire to be far more than that right now, despite what the rest of us say about their talent level? Yeah, I mean, I think they look at it as they expected to be better than most people thought they would be this year. Um, I, I think I, I can't remember the player who mentioned it, um, but someone mentioned a couple of days ago where it was like we they look at the standings and they see the Pittsburgh Pirates in first place, and it's like why you know why can't we be what the Pittsburgh Pirates are? Um, that's another team that lost 100 games last year. Another team that's coming out of a rebuild. Um, so I mean, I, I think when that happens, when you see the Cardinals get off to the start they've had. Um, the Brewers dealing with a bunch of injuries. The Cubs are kind of middling around 500. Um, you know, the, I know the players look at it as, okay, it's a winnable division. The Pirates got off to a hot start. They've been really bad the past two weeks um, and still, I think, are in first place. Um, so, I mean, it's one of those, can you hang around long enough? And then, you know, things might start happening. They know there's a lot of prospects that um, kind of run, you know, doing well in AAA. Fans want to see kind of the next wave of prospects come up. Um, but there's a lot of confidence in this current group, and I think, uh, a lot of the players, they, they learned a lot from last year. Uh, last year, they started off as poorly as anybody's ever done it, you know, in the past in Reds history. Um, lost 100 games. I mean, dealing with that and then kind of coming into spring where they kind of had a chance to reset. 
um, I, I just feel like there's a lot of confidence within the group saying, you know, we're, we're better than outside expectations. All right, last thing I want to ask you about, um, Hunter Green. We, we were just having the conversation, and you and I had this conversation when you joined us going back to Goodyear, Arizona, about, you know, asking you what would be uh, realistic expectations for Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, Graham Ashcraft, et cetera, et cetera. How do you evaluate Hunter Green's performance so far this year? I think as a second-year starting pitcher, it's been as good as they could have hoped. Um, you know, he, he's continuing to make progress. Yeah, there's some areas like he's, he's got to start pitching deeper into games, um, probably needs to become a little bit more efficient with his pitches. Um, but you have to remember, I mean, this is a guy who didn't, didn't, didn't have a ton of minor league experience when he got to the majors, still one of the five youngest pitchers in the big leagues, I believe. Um, so, I mean, if you look at it in terms of that, you're like, okay, wow, there's still a lot of potential, still a lot of room for him to grow. Um, I think if you look at it in terms of he's your number one starter on the Cincinnati Reds and he doesn't have a win yet, um, you know, that, that's where it kind of becomes a little bit more, okay, the, we, we want to see a little bit more, um, you know, they gave him the contract extension. But I, I think you kind of have to take them both as they are. I mean, as a young pitcher, I, I think the progress he's shown, I mean, Nick Lodolo's kind of on the other side of the coin where, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not guaranteed you, you continue to develop the way he has where, uh, he's kind of picked up where he picked up the second half of last year. I mean, struggles will happen. Um, so the fact he's largely avoided those, I mean, he's kind of limited the damage when he has gotten into trouble. That's a good sign. Um, but for the Reds, I mean, they, they want him to become their, their ace. And I, 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 don't, I don't think that's far away. I mean, I think you can see signs of that. There's just still steps he needs to do, um, experience he needs to gain. And it, I, I just think it's kind of where the Reds are, where he's their number one starter versus maybe if they had a Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, those guys. Um, if he was like your number three or number four, you'd be thrilled with what he was doing. Well, uh, you know, guys like Paul and Casey, if they were down where you are right now, Bobby, in, uh, in uh, Miami, uh, we'd be lucky to get them out of bed. They'd have been out on uh, South Beach last night. I'm assuming a guy like you is going to be a little bit more uh, well-behaved than these two characters. Uh, but, but, but look, I would highly endorse getting out for one or two in South Beach. But I uh, don't know if you will. But have fun down there in Florida. Yeah, I mean, it's the weekend, South Beach. But I, I, we, uh, uh, on the air, you have to say you're working. So Amen. always working. Amen. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Bobby, thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. We'll visit again next week before you get out of town, I hope. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. Okay. Bobby Nightingale, Jr. You know, it reminds me, Paul, of your act in New York City. Well, that's right, Tom. You got to make use of traveling and Bob make use of the time. Bob had clearly been up. He was fresh. He's making phone calls. He's getting stuff done. When we had you, you're rolling out of the rack after a late night in New York City. No doubt. Long night of work, and then a long night to have a little reward. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm in that camp all the way. All right. Um, you know, one of uh, the fa our, our favorites, I, he was my favorite period of having last year. And when we started having him on about, I don't know, three quarters of the way through the season. Um, former Cincinnati Bengals great wide receiver Tim McGee started to join us. And, and, and Tim's done a lot of radio here in town uh, through the years and, and dissecting the Bengals. And, you know, I got to thinking, OK, schedule's out, offseason, all the different uh, moves the Bengals have made. It's time to catch back up with Tim McGee and uh, get, get his thoughts on all of this stuff going on. And he is kind enough to have said yes again. We're very, very grateful.
Number 85, how are you, young man? You still, I mean, you I never age a day. You never age a day. I'm so <laughs> jealous. You look so damn good. My hair's falling out. Whatever's left of it, it's white. And you just continue to look like you learn. See, I'm like Bobby Nightingale Jr. I'm, I'm sitting here. He's in South Beach. I'm about 30 miles north up in Fort Lauderdale. So uh, there lies the, um, I, I won't call it problem. There lies the uh, <laughs> the fountain of youth. I will, I, I'm going to call it that considering if I'm here in good weather and I got the beach, um, less stress, uh, more smiles, and I get to tease all the people back home. Now, I gotta be, I'm, I'm coming back home next week, but pretty much spend the winters down here. Okay. Well, good for you. But, but I got to tell you, I mean, I worked uh, as a college student for about uh, six weeks. We were off during Christmas break and I lived down there in Lauderdale with another buddy of mine. Tim, you can find something going on in Lauderdale if you want to find it. You don't have to look very hard. Hey, I don't think you have to look for it. I think it'll find you. <laughs> I think what you have to do down here, you have to dodge it. You have it's like no eye contact. You got to keep your eye contact at pretty much eye level and just move about your way. And when you're going down the sidewalk on the strip, you just, you know, it's like you glance over or take a peek and yep. then you get back in line. <laughs> yeah, that was my problem. I, I, I took more than a peek and I never got back in line. Um, <laughs> maybe that's why I'm sitting here now. I don't know. All right, uh, Tim, uh, let, let, I, I, I ask the question all the time, and this is a big picture thing. I ask the question all the time, as I think every single sports organization, business organization should ask, right? When you move from one year to the next, are the Cincinnati Bengals better today after everything that's gone on during the offseason? And I, I don't want to ask the question based on who started on their offensive line once they got into the AFC championship game after all the injuries? I don't mean it that way, okay? I'm saying mm -hmm. uh, their team where they had that offensive line that started for 15 straight weeks, they had a healthy chase, they had a healthy Boyd, they had a healthy Higgins, all that kind of thing. They were healthy on defense. Are the Bengals better today than they were at the end of last year? I don't think so. And, and the reason I say that, they lost their third level of uh, defense. And I, I think that is going to have a huge impact on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, yeah, they upgraded the offensive line in Orlando Brown Jr. And, uh, you know, but that's an unknown that's yet to be seen. But we know what those two guys, Von Bill and Jesse Bates, meant to that defense and not having them. That's going to be... Uh, Man, that could, that could be a, a huge negative impact. Let me ask you this. Uh, I want to break that down uh, position-wise. Uh, when you talk about two brand-new safeties, now Nick Scott has played in the league for a few years. I mean, he, he's been around the block, started last year with the Rams, not a ton of experience, but started last year. Um, you have uh, Hill, who's going to be starting back there for the first time this year. Bates and Bell walk out the door, as you just mentioned. Early in the season, would you suspect, I think the easy thing is most people say, well, that's going to be uh, questionable against the opponent's passing game. Is that accurate or would you be more concerned about that position per, uh, as it pertains to an opponent's run game? Because the first two games of the year, they're going to get two run-heavy teams in the Browns and the Ravens. I say it's going to affect them in the run game more so than the passing game. And here's why. 
when you look at Jesse Bates, Jesse Bates was your defensive quarterback. I mean, he put everyone in the right spot. Uh, he's, you know, you hear that cliche. He's the, you know, the coach on the field, players coach, that kind of stuff. But he really, he really played that well. And he played that, that role very well. And with Lou, you, you know, you, you get a, you get a guy like Jesse Bates and I, you get Lou to think, okay, I'm very comfortable with this guy who's who's the only player on the defensive side that sees the entire field. He sees 10 players. He knows where they're, they're, they're supposed to be. Tom, I could not tell you from the passing game. I'll get to the run game. I could not tell you. You get one guy out of position, and people think out of position means, oh, man, he's on the wrong side of the line of scrimmage. Of course not. He's on the wrong side of the football. Of course not. That could happen. However, out of position is just two steps. You are two steps up at the NFL level. If you're two steps out of position, you're in major, major trouble. So that's number one. As far as the run game, that's where Von Bell comes in. Von Bell was an excellent and will continue to be an excellent run supporter. So when you give up something in the pass game and something in the run game, although, like you said, playing Cleveland and Baltimore the first two games, they're going to be run, pretty much run happy teams. Uh, more than likely, you're going to get a heavy dose of Nick Chubb and you know Baltimore is going to give you Lamar Jackson who can run just as well as pass. That could be a challenge. Early on in the season is what I always worry about any professional team, especially the Bengals, because when you do have the changes, if you get behind in the record, unfortunately for the Bengals or any AFC team, whether it be uh, a Cleveland, Baltimore, uh, the, the, or Pittsburgh, the problem you face is now you're losing not only a conference game, you're losing the division game. So, you know, it, it, I, I'm a little worried about the uh, third line of, of defense. Okay. Well, uh, if you were to look at Scott and, uh, and, and, and Hill back there, which guy – I'm imagining, I have to believe, if for no other reason, experience, that Scott would have to become Jesse Bates. Is that fair to say? Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Okay. Well, that's I, I the think case. He, Go ahead, please. I want to hear what you have okay. to say about this. Yes, he has the experience, but not with that defense, that defensive coordinator, that defensive personnel, and inside that locker. That doesn't mean he will not be able to obtain it over a period of time, but not in that environment. It's like any other job. You have to go in and get acclimated. And once you get acclimated, you'll be more comfortable, but more so are the other players around you comfortable. And when I mean comfortable, are they comfortable that you will be able to make the right calls and put them in the right positions? I want to stay in the back end of the defense here for a second because we know Mike Hilton's coming back. He's been a hell of a player for this team since they brought him on. That's one of the best signs they've had along with Bell, and, and they've had some other ones. They've had some good signs, but those two guys have really been good players for this team uh, as free agents. Awuzie is coming back from, from an ACL, right? Eli Apple walks out the door, okay? Trey Flowers walks out the door. Um how concerned they bring in Sidney Jones, veteran guy, highly touted guy at one point, got hurt. You know, he started at various points in his career. Uh, and then they go out in the draft and they, they draft a safety and they draft a corner. Um, what, what are your thoughts at, at cornerback for this team? Because there's some change there as well. It's, the, it's identical to the, uh, the safeties. I understand the individual talent. I give individual talent a lot of credit. 
but the cohesiveness of your defense is not like the offense. The cohesiveness of the defense, you guys got to play well together. When we talk about the offensive line, we talk about them playing enough games together that they're on the same page. It's the exact same situation on the defensive side. On the When you have those corners and they're coming in, Awuzie, we talk about it coming in, what a great corner, cornerback. We know what he's done in the past. But let's face it, ACL probably won't come back. 100% of the, uh, 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 the the player that we know, he'll probably be maybe in that 80% tile. And, and that's, trust me, that's better than most corners. But the cohesiveness, the chemistry, the understanding of the concept of the defense, those are the things that I concern myself with the Bengals in that when you, when I'm watching the game, and I see a, a blown coverage or a miscommunication or a false alignment, those are the things that drives coaches absolutely nuts because it's too tough of a football game to make mental mistakes. And that's why I compare that. The corners are no different than the safeties. And I think it's the whole secondary that we're going to have to worry about. Not to say they can't get it done, but those are areas of major concerns. Okay. Um, you know, you have worn so many different hats, and this is why I love having you on, because I can ask you questions where you're able to put yourself in something you've done for a living, and at one time you were an agent. Correct. Okay, so now help me with this, because I had a big problem with this, and maybe when you put your agent hat on, maybe you don't. But I make so many things about life for not only the decisions you make, right, good versus bad, but also, you know, your timing on those decisions, Okay. Jonah Williams, the day the Bengals signed Orlando Brown Jr., and they didn't sign this guy to come here and play right tackle. The second they sign him, they bring him in to be the highest paid uh, tackle in the history of football. Okay? Unbelievable move for the Bengals. That in and of itself was just, I, I don't think anybody could believe it happened. And it did. So now all of a sudden that means that Jonah Williams, who is guaranteed uh, over $12.5 million this year, uh, is going to be asked to move to right tackle. Within hours after signing Brown, his agent comes out and is demanding a trade uh, to get out of Cincinnati. Would you have handled that that way if you were Jonah Williams' agent? Well, it depends on what went on behind the scenes. How much conversation did I have with the Bengals organization, the management, and of course the coaches, and of course my client, which would have been Jonah Williams. Then I would have made a determination of what's in the best interest of my client. I'm not worried about the Cincinnati Bengals. They're gonna be here for the next, you know, they're gonna be here when I'm long gone. But I would worry about one person and one person only, and that's Jonah Williams. So was it premature? Uh, they probably, I'm guessing, Tom, they probably had already anticipated that if something like that happened, what their next move would be. And for the betterment, remember, I personally think Jonah Williams struggled at left tackle. Now you're going to move him to right tackle. Well, you know, again, that's a, I know it has the commonality of tackle. It's a tackle position, but it's two totally different positions with two totally different footworks. The, the footwork is totally different. So with that being said, Tom, I, I, I won't criticize him. I, I would pretty much commend him on getting, you know, getting the word out there that my, my client is, is available. Okay. All right. All right. So now put yourself in the position of being Jonah Williams agent and he's still here. 
uh, he would have a, a choice to make. I either go play right tackle, try to win that job, because I think there's going to be some competition for that job, despite the fact that he's getting paid a lot of money. Um, there's always a possibility you get into training camp. Another team has a left tackle that they're not happy with and they want to make a change. You know, God forbid there's an injury, but those do happen in football regularly. Um, you know, good Lord willing, they don't, but they do. Um, so, you know, maybe there's a chance down the road, depending on what the Bengals see out of Carmen and see out of Lyle Collins and him coming back and all that kind of thing. Would you say to your client, hey, look, I know we want to be a left tackle down the road, but right now we got to be all in on playing right tackle. I would ask my client that first and foremost, and I would, I would gather by the information that's come out that Jonah Williams does not really, I, I guess right tackle is, is not exciting him as far as his long-term playing career. So with that being said, I, I think the model's already out there and it's been out there. You look at a Lamar Jackson, I mean, Jonah Williams is guaranteed his 12 and a half million. So, you know, my, this would be a tough pill for most people to swallow. I would tell my client, listen, you are your CEO of your own company. You have to protect your biggest asset, which is your body go out there and protect your body at all costs. So, you know, you, you're going to make business decisions from this point out. And, uh, and we're, on, we're in the same, you know, Jesse Bates did it, and he was in a similar situation. So when a player is unhappy and they're going into their contract year, remember our mindset as a player is when we go into our contract year, now we're going to get that generational wealth it's right there. It's, it's literally six months from us. It's six months from my great grandkids being financially secured. So you have to make business decisions. And I know Joe fan find that very difficult. Oh, you are, you have a contract. You should play. You're right. However, uh, I don't know what world you live in, but when 12 and a half million sounds excellent, great, phenomenal, I'll take it. Me personally, give it here. However, if I know I got another hundred million out there and I'm, I'm leaving on potentially leaving on the table, I got to tell my client, advise my client to uh, make business decisions when it comes to playing the game of football, make a business decision. And sometimes that means, you know, you don't make that extra effort that you would have if you were in, in a more comfortable position going after that you such you so something you so desired. All right, now now let me ask you to put back on your cap as a teammate. Okay? Uh, big things are expected out of this Bengals offense. Uh, I maintain, and I get a lot of people that yell and scream at me here in the chat, even here in the room. I maintain the defense was good enough to win a Super Bowl last year. And with all the big names and the big stars, it was the offense that let this team down when it needed just field goals. It needed first downs the most. And this Ballyhooed offense could not get it done. There's reason to believe they could be even better this year. So let me start with you on a couple of names here. If you're, if you're a part of the starting group of the Cincinnati Bengals on offense, wide receiver, which you used to play, you got to protect your quarterback if you're going to be able to catch passes. Will there be a legitimate, should there be a legitimate competition at right tackle on who starts, because I thought Carmen played pretty well last year at tackle. Granted, it was left tackle. He's got more of the prototypical body type. I think he grew up a little bit last year. Collins is coming back from a knee. Should there be open competition for that position? 
Well, well, I, I think the answer, it's its a complex answer. And, and here's the way I see it. Number one, as they say, no player should lose their starting position because of injury because they're out there on the battlefield. Uh, so that's one, one aspect of it. Carmen played well. Okay, great. Now, how will Collins come back? Will he come back healthy? Again, when you have ACL injuries, I don't think players come back 100%. It's pretty much in, like I said, that 80 percentile. Um should there be competition? There should always be competition. There should be competition at every position on every game. At uh, and the, when you are in a position that the Bengals have, I have to give the most credit I will ever give the Bengals is where they started and where they are now. Now it's about depth. It's it's about competition. No one besides per se Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and maybe T, T Higgins and a couple other guys can really rest on their laurels of what they've done in the past. There's someone there that if you're not doing your job effectively over a consistent period of time, someone's there to push you and or replace you. That's a wonderful thing. But do I think it should be competition in that particular position? I think if I may add, the better question would be who should start the football season off? Who, which person do they pencil in as the starter? That's going to be the most difficult question that the coaching staff is going to, because one guy said, hey, that was my job and I was playing very effectively before I got hurt. The other guy said, dude, the last snap, I was playing great. How could you replace me? Yeah. Good problem yeah. to have. Well, that's a great point. That's a great, and you know as well as I do, money becomes a factor in this thing sometimes too. I mean, you're paying one guy twelve and a half million. You're paying Carmen next to nothing, you know. And Collins is is a wild card in this deal. Okay, same question now. Much has been made of Joe Mixon. We're getting close to this June first deadline. We know some of the things. Mixon's been a hell of a player for this team, and up until this off season, um, he has been a model citizen off the field. Up until this, and now this off season has been. Um, this has not been a good offseason, regardless of what's decided in the courts. It's not been a good offseason. Just, just not good. Um, do you suspect, and again, your – I want to put you the agent, uh, the agent hat back on for a minute. If they come to Burrow or come to Mixon and they say, hey, listen, man, uh, we got to restructure this deal a little bit, you going to do it? Uh, first, the question is why. Why are we restructuring? Are we trying to, are you, come, and I'm pretty sure the Bengals are smart enough to say, you know, Katie Blackburn will say, hey, in order to sign T. Higgins and Joe Burrow, we need to restructure this deal. So you see how the framing is? The framing is, I need you to take one for the team. Opposed to, hey, listen, we're um, we're kind of trying to decide on bringing you back or not. And um uh, important element of that is going to be uh, your willingness or unwillingness to take a uh, a pay cut. Well, now it's personal. Then the as an agent, Tom, I am out representing my client in the event that something happens here in Cincinnati. Hey, you know you're you're on the phone with the general managers and you know the play, the, the players that be. You're on the or powers that be. I'm sorry. You're on the phone and you're trying to gauge the market for your client. Because remember something, if they release him, he's a free agent. Conceivably, he can get more money than he's getting with the Bengals and a longer term. So from an agent standpoint, we only look at it from the business element. We're not looking at it as in, you know, I, my client's going to win a Super Bowl there. So, you know, my client has a window of opportunity to maximize the dollars he makes in the National Football League. And that's our position. And that's our only position. All the other things you hand 
the client the information and let the client make the ultimate decision. You think Joe Mixon is the starting running back in Cleveland week one? Yes. I think I don't think the Bengals could really afford from a pass protection standpoint. I don't think they can afford to take another risk in having another guy back there that may not be as proven as a Joe Mixon. And yes, he's been that ideal citizen up to this point. And, you know, again, judge it as he may, uh, he still is one heck of a football player. And, you know, I, I think it's a great problem to have. The problem is you don't have P. Ryan. He's gone. He walked out the door and now your depth is gone. And now there's a question there. And he, uh, Joe, Joe Mixon probably should give P. Ryan some of his money because if P. Ryan was still on the roster, that question you asked about taking a pay cut would have been a definite yes. Yeah, no doubt about it. Tim McGee, you're always on your game. We thank you for your flexibility. We always thank you for your time, my friend. And we look forward to you getting back into town. And we'll get out to dinner one night, I hope, when you get back into town. I'm going to take you up on that. I got the bill. All right, buddy. Thanks for having me. All right, Tim. I'll see you later, man. (laughs) See you. Have a great day and have a good weekend. What what a great dude. I, I just think he brings such a unique perspective because of all the different things he's done. You know what I mean? I agree. He's able to just... You know, you, you heard him talking about it, and we haven't talked about that whole thing with Jonah and how he would look at that just from a strictly future standpoint, right? Very interesting. Fair. Very. Um, look, it, it, somebody's bringing up Mixon uh, about what happened with him in college. We know what happened with him in college. We know that. Uh, I had just said since he got here and until this offseason, you can't argue Mixon's been a good guy. He's been a good guy. But now all of a sudden, you know, we'll see how the whole court thing plays out. Um, but, you know, somebody just said here a second ago, OJ's 94 Bronco, and he's right. Um, you know, Mixon, if the Bengals had a Hall of Fame, one day he would be in it. He's been a really good player here. Really good. I mean, he's never James Brooks. I've said all the time, James Brooks is by far the best running back they've ever had in this franchise, and the numbers back it up. But um, Mixon's been a heck of a player. All right. Time for the greatest 10 minutes of the show. Here we go. So Reed is on his way right now with a board event down to Nashville, which is why we have no box lunch, and which is also why Casey is now in charge of the chat power rankings. Now, I should say, these power rankings, Casey has written them out by hand. He made graphics for all of them. He wrote reasons for everybody. I really... He put a lot of thought into this. All right, let's take a break. All right. And our last 10 minutes, this is like the grand finale. For the first time, Casey will be giving out our weekly winners in the off the bench chat gentlemen it's that type of the show the ham and eggers these guys are great trust me i would know i introduce all the best segments got the keys now keys. the hangers have turned into the keys up there at the top so the one thing i want to talk about before we because we didn't really get to it very much um the the Bengals schedule wise, um, I 
I, like I said before, I think the middle of the season is really, really hard. But the back part, I mean, you play Steelers, Chiefs, Browns. That part is also very difficult as well. You're giving the Browns some credit? Well, just probably by the time we play the Browns, we're sitting our guys. That's but, right. But in case we lose that game to the Chiefs, like that game is very important for us to win just so then we can potentially get by in that number one seed with the better record. But um, it is very strange that the schedule makers made it so that the Browns were the first game and the very last game of the season. It means that they think that there's some chance that the Browns will probably be uh, fighting for that number one seed. Um, you can tell a lot by how they structure some of this stuff, how, how things are going to go, but, um, or how they think that they'll go. Um, but overall, I know Tom said that we, we have a difficult schedule, but our strength of schedule is actually one of the weaker ones in the whole league this year. So there's no excuse, no and they, excuses. And they travel the fewest amount of miles. Right. I mean, they, whatever that means. Right. They also, I think have one of the most scheduled 4 PM games in the whole season because that was one of the things I wanted to bring up why we only have four primetime games, potentially five. There's a ton of games scheduled at 4.30. There's one, two, three, four, five. There's five games alone that are scheduled at five. There's only six 1 p.m. games. So if, you, if you're one of the few people that think, well, that is somewhat of a primetime slot, I, I'm in that category. I think of that 4 p.m., game is like a pseudo prime time slot um Bengals got a lot of those this year they got five they got four prime time games so really they've got nine or more games that are not at your normal 1 p.m slot yep um means more time to party it up and tailgate am i get all right tanked up tom get all tanked hey, up you gotta get all tanked if you had to pick one game before we get to the list if you had to pick one game you would go to Where would you go? I so Reed, we we talked about this yesterday off the air. I would probably go to Tennessee just because I know the the stadium is not great. Nissan Stadium is a terrible stadium, but I would like going back to Nashville. I haven't done that trip. I have no interest in going to Kansas City. I have no interest in going to Pittsburgh. No interest in going to Cleveland. If Jacksonville was away, I would go to Jacksonville. It is away. It is away. Oh, it is? I thought that was a home game. No, that's a night game. All right. Let's get in the pool. Let's go to the pool, Let's Tom. Get pool. Let's get all tanked up. Let's go. I'm going to Jacksonville. That's my answer. I'm amending it. I'm amending it. Jacksonville is my answer. Is the Vikings at Cincinnati? Yes, it is. Okay. I was going to say, Minnesota? It'd be kind of, well, they're dome. Minnesota! They're in the dome. It's a so great that, town. Well, it used to be a great town. It's yeah. kind of gone south the last couple of years, like a lot of other places. Um... Yeah, I think, uh, Casey, did you pick one before we get to the list? Would it be Tennessee? Nash, Vegas? Oh, man. Um, if I had to pick, it would it would probably be Jacksonville. I That'd be kind of like a, a bucket list thing because I've always wanted to get in the pool 
and watch a football game. All right, we're going to Jacksonville. That would be mine. If I was different, if I was trying to be different, I would probably want to go to San Fran. Yeah, you'd be staying out, though, and uh, you wouldn't be staying in – well, I mean, you could because you could actually um, on, on Friday night, Saturday night, you could get out in downtown San Francisco. Um, although, boy, was there a piece written yesterday about that town. Uh, but I saw that. Yeah, I mean, it's I, and I that saw was coming that. from an uber liberal I reporter. Saw you saw that yeah, who, I, who, had, I, who had gotten tired of hearing about how bad San Francisco was and being run in the ground. And then she went out there and it was worse than she had even read about. Brutal. Uh, anyway, I, 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 yeah, those two. End of the day, I got to probably go to Vegas, Nash, Vegas, just because you can walk yep. to the stadium. Yep. Stay That's downtown fair. and walk to the stadium. That's key. That's All right, fair. Casey, here we go. We got five minutes left. Where are we? Chat power rankings. All right, fellas, this is it right here. Oh, boy. Here we go. All right, so my number one, I got Nathan Hines. Wow. My banning everyone that opposes me and then of course i got alexandra hines my my future wife wow my best man thomas oldham right at number three my dad at number four and reed dude Mouse. you are losing a lot are you of kidding me here i mean come on we waited all you... week for this i mean you've got four basic family members going two three four and five this thing's gonna blow up what do you mean i thought that was a Perfect power rankings, but I'll put it up again because I don't know if this you guys is can, unbelievable. I don't know if you guys can read the subtitle. It says fake. Oh, he got us. I got y'all. He got uh, us. You thought, you thought I was gonna. You thought I was gonna do my whole family and read. No, come on. I'm gonna start with number five. Then I'll go all the way to number uh, two. Let's do, do you it. have any? Honorable do mentions? you have any honorable mentions? Well, I'm gonna do honorable mentions at number two. Okay. That, okay. That that's way, good. That that's good. Way, I like this, Casey. Yeah. All right, so number five, I got Ronnie Smith. He's a he's a newcomer. What is this picture? That that's his profile. Is that picture. his profile picture? Yeah. I can't. Profile picture on YouTube. He is a guy. And who that, is this? Ronnie Smith. Okay, Ronnie Smith. Okay. He is a guy that is just wanting to talk sports. Always ask us to stay on sports, and I kind of I commend that a little bit. He's consistently watching us. He has some really good takes too. He takes the number five spot. Solid. We thank you very much. Yes. Thank you, George. Or, sorry. Thank you, Ronnie Smith. At number four, which I kind of just teased, is George Santos. Whoa! Late riser oh in the Pat Chow rankings. Uh, has some really great one-liners today. Somehow yes. he watches from jail. He's <laughs> a bit of a wild card in the chat. So, I mean, he's the number four for me. This he week. just chimed in. Thank you. After telling <laughs> Ronnie, congratulations. Yes. That's, that's big league. That's first class, George. Next up. <laughs> next up. PB's ghost. PB. PB's the cat. Ghost. He's always staying on topic in chat. He's witty, consistent, and someone that preaches Nutcutter Nation values. Yes. Okay. Love PB's ghost. He's awesome. He's my number three. He disappeared here near the end of the show. Go ahead. He, he, he's, he comes in and out. Okay. 
My next one, Brian B. Oh, Brian. boy. He's been a guy that's been in the chat power rankings before, but he's one of the first founders. Of, he says he is the first founder. He is one of the first founders of Nutcutter Nation. He stays on topic a lot. He's calm, collected, and clever. He also came up with a great nickname for me. Not that I want to take credit for that, but Cantankerous Clawhammer is uh, – <laughs> that, that was pretty clever. So he's my number two. And honorable mentions. I have a ton of people on this list, and they're in order. Ooh, They're in order. They're in folks. order. These are my list of people in order. Sir Boy just barely missed out in the top five. Wow. He he just got nudged out by George Santos there at the end, man. I mean, he, he just rose up the list. George came on strong today. He George, did. George had himself a week, no he matter did. how you look at it. Yep. He did. He did. <laughs> Boom shakalaka. He, he, he's a voice of reason in our chat. Uh, the Real Spirit Cat won. Uh, he, he's been an OG with us for a long time. USA veteran retired. Salute to you. Nathan Hines, Banhammer. Thomas Oldham, a best man. Jordan Earhart, he doesn't always come on our show all the time, but he always checks in every once in a while. Same, same with CJ. And then Ever Henry and OJ's Bronco, you guys got into that spat, and that just kind of tanked the ratings for me. I didn't like that too much. So that's why you guys are at the bottom. But you're still in the honorable mentions, so I still like you. I just I, – I don't know what was going on there. I didn't Sir like that boy much. is not happy, but go ahead. I'm sure he's not. He's not. And, of course, that leads number one, someone that you all know and love, someone that didn't make honorable mentions – that's Chad Waits, one of the founders of Nutcutter Nation, leader of ELE, isn't afraid to fight ELE. the system. Yeah, everyone love everyone. Isn't I've never afraid. heard of ELE. Isn't heard afraid. of ELO, the band, but never ELE. Isn't afraid to fight the system. He stood up to me. He stood up to me when it mattered most for this chat, and he believes in everyone in the chat. He is my number one for this week. Chad Waits, congratulations on being number one in the chat power rankings. Chad Waits, $5. He's honored. I really thought you were going to throw Chad at number two, Brian at number one, and wait for Reed to give Chad number one next week. I thought that was how this was going to go. I told you not to show me. I wanted to be surprised. That was good stuff, Casey. Mouse Cop, I... I Totally just... That's who you, I you, thought you, you were going to name as the winner when I saw the list. Well, I you gave know, Mouse Cop number one last week. Yeah, that, that's part of the reason why I didn't want to just put him up there again. <laughs> you you should have been in the honorable mentions. That's my bad. Well, yeah, I got to tell you, buddy. I got to tell you. Um, because she has already jumped in. <laughs> I have to tell you. Okay? Now this, you're not married yet. No. Okay. So there are going to be a lot of, lot of nights once you do after early June where you will get into bed at night and you are in the doghouse for one reason or another. You're about to get a very early taste of that starting tonight. Because you assembled an entire honorable mention list, which looked like the college basketball coaches polling <laughs> where they give about 70 teams, right? Yeah. After the top 25, you just ripped off a laundry list of about 10 or 11 or 12, whatever it was. And not one of them included the name 
Alexandria High. Well, she she chimes in every once in a while. Not consistent. But she's not consistent. Got to be that, consistent, that's Alex. You, that's important. You got to chat. Do you call her Alex or Alexandria? Call her Alex. I, well, I call. I go back and forth. Okay. Well, Alex, you you, you got to be consistent. <laughs> and the chat is one thing. As a married woman, is a different ballgame. <laughs> Look what Nathan just <laughs> threw in here. <laughs> <sighs> Oh, your father-in-law. Sorry, Casey. You just came in as honorable mention as the top five dude wanting to marry my daughter. <laughs> Oof. Boy, it could be a very ugly Mother's Day celebration. Yeah, this, this, this is not looking good for this me. This is not we... shaping up well. <laughs> we, All right, uh, boys. We, we are going to have a lot to talk about on, on Monday, it sounds like. We are. Between Mother's Day and Saturday night, sounds like Monday's going to be a packed show. Oh, wait, you're not here Monday. I'm not. I have uh, actually, you know, I, I've had a lot of dates I've been missing here. Yesterday, I was a little bit under the weather, but I've missed a lot here lately. This, this should be the last one coming up where our son, today's his last day of school. I can't believe it. I, I just can't believe it. We can get more into that on Monday. Uh, but Monday is a very big day uh, for him and others. Uh, in his graduating class, they all find out in a, in a big, huge gathering assembly with parents there about kids that are winning scholarships in different things. You know, all the different scholarships are announced. Um, and Chad says, I have given up my spot to Alexandria Hine. Now, that's a big leaguer. That is big You league. said he cares about us all. And, and, and you wonder why I put him at number one. You wonder why. Even though we got into that spat, even though he's a, a Goshen fella. All the, other, all the huh? Goshen felon? Fella. Fella. Oh, okay. Fella. I'm sorry. All right. But we were drifting with, into George again. Go even ahead. with all that, all the other characteristics of, of Chad Waits just outweigh that. So You're a big man, Casey. He's a bigger man than me. Bengals signed Miles Murphy. Should mention that. Okay. They signed him. And uh anything else? Anything else Is before we it? get out of here? So uh, okay, that and was that was our cherry on top. The power rankings, our our Friday cherry on top was the uh, power, Casey power rankings. And Casey has his bachelor party this weekend. Is there anything else that we have not checked a box of? I think we've done everything today, Tom. Okay, yeah. I think we're in good shape. Nicely done, fellas. Yeah, nicely done. We thank um, Tommy G. We thank Bobby Nightingale Jr. We thank Tim McGee. We thank Casey McAllister and Paul Fritchner, and we thank all of you for being with us. Uh, another very, very busy week. Full speed ahead next week. Look, uh, you two guys still have your moms around, right? Yep. Going to give you a chance to see them, I hope, this weekend. I will. Uh, for all of you who have your moms around, please enjoy it and cherish every minute of it. We kid around a lot on the show. I lost my mom a long time ago, 15 years ago. And um, I'd do anything in the world to have her back for one day. Uh, to celebrate Mother's Day and all she did for my sister and me. Uh, and all of you, please celebrate mom, okay, whether she's with us or not. So have a great weekend. And to all the moms out there, happy Mother's Day. We'll see you all next week.